You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We're going to talk about poker with some great poker players and charity people. Here's what we got lined up today. First, a an online female poker sensation, Danielle Anderson. She's going to be talking to us about Team U of Ultimate Poker and her poker journey, where she has been very successful. And then we're going to talk to Ethan Ruby of Poker for Life. Ethan runs the charity uh, which embraces the positive power of poker. He's going to be here talking about his recent poker tournament that I played in that's raised over $2 million uh, and the tournament that they're coming up with next year as well. So please stay tuned. Thank you. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Need to sell your house fast? We're Homevestors, the We Buy Ugly Houses people. You've seen our big yellow billboards with our caveman Ugg, but did you know that Homevestors is America's number one home buyer? At Homevestors, we can buy your house as is, pay you cash, and usually pay most of the closing costs, and we close fast. Call today for your no-obligation consultation and get out of that ugly real estate situation. If your house needs repairs, you're ready to downsize, tired of renters and those rental property repairs, retiring, experiencing a job transfer, inherited a property, or just need to sell your house fast, do what thousands of satisfied Homevestor customers have done. Call Homevestors today for a no-obligation consultation at 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. We'll close fast and pay cash. So what are you waiting for? Call Homevestors today. 866-I-WANT-UG. 866-I-WANT-UG. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Hit me, you five-card stud. 
Listeners, welcome back to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, and as promised, we have Danielle Anderson, who is a Team U member for Ultimate Poker and arguably the highest-earning female online cash game player in the history of online poker. So welcome, Danielle. Are you there? Hello, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're happy to have you. Can you give our listeners, who are almost entirely poker players, give them a little sketch of your background as far as how you came to poker and how you came to online poker in specific? Well, it was actually just a a series of fluke events that led me to online poker, really. Um, My boyfriend in college, him and his buddies would always play poker, and they were obsessed, and they would ignore me because they were playing this dumb game. And uh, eventually, I got tired of watching them, and I joined in and just kind of started winning. I just had a knack for the game right away. And we were playing for, you know, one dollar sit and goes it would last for eight hours so nothing serious (laughs) but uh my boyfriend thought that i was really good and he thought that i should deposit some money online and try my hand and i thought that was the dumbest idea i'd ever heard in my entire life (laughs) so i resisted for a while and eventually gave in and put 50 bucks online and it just kind of all went from there pretty soon i was making enough money that i quit my college job and pretty soon i was making enough money that i wasn't sure i even wanted to finish college and here we are about 10 years later, still going. Did you ever finish college? I initially dropped out. I was originally in school to be a teacher, and I dropped out, you know, to focus on poker. And then actually uh, after Black Friday, no, it was actually before Black Friday, I um, shortly before I went back to school and I finished and got my nursing degree. So I'm a registered nurse. Do you do any nursing or are you a full-time poker player without doing any nursing on the side? Well, I'm a full-time poker player, but for a while I did work um, like one or two shifts a month at a psychiatric hospital um, just to kind of keep my license current and because I was bored living in Minnesota and unable to play online poker post-Black Friday. So um, I have recently quit that, however, because we are moving to Las Vegas this summer. So if you're moving to Las Vegas, you can play online in Nevada. Do you have some other way that you play online Uh, for sites all over the world, or do you stick to just whatever's legal and whatever in your immediate vicinity? Yeah, right now, I mean, I'm moving to Las Vegas so that I can play, you know, legal online poker. So post-Black Friday, I kind of dabbled in some, you know, sites that would still accept Americans, but it's just so risky. It's just not really worth it. So um, I have, yeah, been traveling back and forth to Nevada to play a little bit on Ultimate Poker. I've played some live poker since Black Friday, but I'm looking forward to, you know, being right in Nevada and being able to just play from the comfort of my office in my home in my sweatpants. Okay. A couple of questions about your development as a poker player. The way you described it, it made it sound like, boy, it's all just kind of natural instinct, intelligence, and self-taught skills. Were there any things that you used that augmented or accelerated your learning curve? You know, it's funny because... I recommend using all those tools for people who are new to the game, but for myself, um, I really was kind of in my own little world. I didn't have anybody else who played poker seriously. I didn't read any books. I didn't participate in any forums. Uh, I just kind of did my own thing, and I was just lucky enough to have an instinct, and I played a lot of hands and just kind of learned from my mistakes and went from there. It wasn't until I had already been playing professionally for a few years, probably, that I kind of um, met some people in poker and, you know, found the forums, but I still don't really, you know, I've never really relied heavily upon those um, to help my game. I've just kind of always learned on my own, I guess. That's very impressive. It's interesting to me to think about the fact that you were studying to be a teacher and that you are a professional poker player. Many of the people we have on our show are, at least on the side, if not primarily, coaches in the poker world. Have you dabbled in that at all? I haven't. I've had some requests for coaching, but I've always felt like I would have a hard time translating my thoughts into words because I still do. Sometimes I just, you know, I don't really have an explanation for a lot of things other than just an instinct, and I can't tell you exactly why I think this is the right play. Uh, I've never been a very mathematical player, and I feel like 
uh, a lot of times coaching kind of can rely a little more on, on that type of a, you know, portion of the game. So I've never really felt like my skills would translate very well to coaching. Um, but, you know, who knows? In the future, I'm kind of becoming more comfortable as I meet more players and go through more conversations with them. I'm becoming a little bit more comfortable putting my, you know, thoughts and ideas into words. So something I'd maybe consider in the future. But right now I just don't have time even if I wanted to. I see. Well, you know, I'm thinking of you in Minnesota. My brother lives right outside Minneapolis, and he and I have played many, many, many sessions at Running Aces and at Canterbury. And I'm wondering how you would take your – what from I'm reading from your bio are primarily no limit skills, how that translated to the uh, somewhat sedate world of no, no limit in Minnesota, only limit poker there. What did you play? Uh, Well, it actually didn't translate. (laughs) I (laughs) never really played much live poker in Minnesota because I'm just not a limit player. Um, It's never really been my thing. So instead, I was traveling back and forth to L.A. primarily to play at the Commerce Casino post-Black Friday uh, to play some, you know, deep no-limit live, which is just definitely more of my comfort zone. So, you know, unfortunately, Minnesota doesn't allow no-limit poker. Hopefully someday they will. Hopefully someday they'll allow online poker. Uh, but for now, yeah, I just haven't been able to play very much in my home state, which is why, again, you know, we're packing up and heading out to Vegas. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you or a loved one currently suffering from arthritis, COPD, or other chronic conditions and can't get relief from current treatments? If so, there may be another option. Local physicians are conducting research studies in your area today, and you may be eligible to receive up to $1,300 in compensation for participation. These studies are confidential and are taking place for a limited time. Call 855-912-PAIN, 855-912-PAIN today to see if you qualify. Health insurance is not required. Call 855-912-7246. Midwest poker players now have a poker tour to call their own. The Mid-States Poker Tour. The Mid-States Poker Tour is designed to cater directly to poker players. Great locations, deep stack tournaments, affordable buy-ins, and most importantly, large prize pools. This year, with over 20 events in nine states, the Mid-States Poker Tour provides an exciting opportunity for poker in one of the most underrated poker hotbeds in the country. Check out their website, msptpoker.com, for upcoming tournaments near you. The Mid-States Poker Tour. Finally, a poker tour designed for poker players. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. In the field of local live entertainment. Oh, my God! Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards And for listeners who just tuned in, we're talking to poker sensation, Daniel Anderson. Now, you're saying we, I read from your bio that you are a mother and wife. Do you have uh, a husband who plays poker as well, or is he not in the poker world at all? Uh, I have a husband who plays, not not all that well. (laughs) Uh, He loves the game, uh, and he, he, you know, tells me I can say that. It's okay. He's pretty uh, straightforward about his skill level, but... Yeah, he plays, and he's actually the person, when I talked about my boyfriend being the one that got me into poker, he is now my husband. So it was it was a worthy investment on his part. Uh, but he really enjoys the game. He actually spent more time studying it with books and training videos and stuff like that than I ever have. But, um, you know, he just kind of got to a certain break-even level and never really surpassed that. So he's a teacher, and he coaches football and track and field. And, yep, he's um, applying for some jobs in Vegas right now, and hopefully something will come up and uh yeah and i also have a six-year-old little boy easton now how do you feel if your son 10 years from now eight years from now 15 years from now follows in your footsteps and becomes a professional poker player is that fine with you would you prefer him to have a different career path or have you never even given it any thought because he's only six years old no i've definitely thought about it i've been asked that before and you know honestly i have um some mixed feelings on it i do know that it hasn't always been easy being a professional poker player. There's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of trials and, you know, it's just, it's inevitable as a poker player that you're going to go through 
you know, some brutal swings and stuff that are really going to be mentally taxing. Uh, and that's, not, you know, you don't, you wish your kids to never have to go through that kind of stress. At the same time, it would be incredibly hypocritical of me to say that I didn't want him to be a professional poker player because poker has opened so many doors in my life and it's given me so many opportunities and experiences that I never would have had. And honestly, I couldn't be happier with my job and what I do. So, you know, if he wanted to, I would try and encourage him to do it in a responsible way. I would try and, you know, maybe he can learn from some of my mistakes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would, I would be supportive. Uh, listeners, we're talking to Danielle Anderson, who is a very, very successful online poker, who is making the move to Las Vegas and who is also one of the Team U uh, Ultimate Poker players. What does that mean, by the way, being on Team U? Well, it means I represent Ultimate Poker. It means I get to do all sorts of fun stuff on behalf of the site. And, uh, yeah, I guess, you know. What kind of stuff do you do means. for them? What What kind of stuff is available for you to do? Well, right now we are working on all sorts of content-related material. We're doing some really fun video projects, um, actually one that will hopefully be released fairly soon, um, you know, kind of like a mini web series where, um, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but we're doing some fun stuff. It should make for some good laughs. Uh, I also, you know, I got to go to New York and, and do some, you know, sightseeing stuff there that, I, you know, I've never done before. I mean, in New Jersey we did a bar tour, and basically I – you know, it was part of my job description to go to various bars and give people tickets to UFC events and, and drink with fans, you know, I mean, rough life. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, I'm actually heading out to Reno to do a big event out there and so all sorts of fun stuff. Can you describe some of the highest moments you've had as an online professional player? Some of the real things that uh, you'll always have with you? Well, I was able to go to Ireland as a result of, you know, poker. That that was an experience that, you know, who knows. I mean, I, I come from a small Minnesota town of 2,000 people where, you know, if you travel anywhere in the U.S. on vacation, you know, you go five hours away, that, that can be a big deal. There's a lot of people who just don't really get out of that small town. And so for me to have the opportunities to be traveling, you know, got to go to Ireland, I've, you know, gotten to – go to some stuff in the Bahamas, um, you know, just be able to, like, see really cool people. I played poker with Manny Pacquiao, you know, met Michael Phelps, like, stuff like that, that, you know, your normal, average, small-town girl in Minnesota is just not going to be able to experience. So, you know, there's nothing, there's not one in particular, but just really all the little things add up to just make a really kick-ass life, basically. Those are pretty good things. Ireland playing with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. You mentioned before some of the stresses. I'm wondering what you see as um, the biggest liability of being a professional poker player as a way of earning your chief chief way of earning your living. I think the biggest liability for a lot of people is that it can be very easy to lose your touch with balance when you're a professional poker player. Um, you know, we all know that the more hours you play and the more hands that you get in, the more money that theoretically you should make when, you know, in truth, yeah, you can play hands and you can make money, but if you're not taking the time to enjoy life, what, what good does that do you? And you see a lot of, you know, young people who are, you know, maybe don't have a lot of life experience and they can get sucked into that very easily. And it can just become a very, uh, you know, habit forming thing where all of a sudden they're, you know, older and, and they don't know anything else other than just worrying about the bottom line dollar. So I think, you know, balance and, you know, you kind of risk getting sucked into that is what I what I would say I've seen from experience can be the biggest liability. It sounds like you're very grounded for somebody who's only 29 years old, but then again, you are a mother. To what do you attribute at least the apparent wisdom that you have? Did you have any experiences in life that allowed you to take things in stride and not get caught up in what you're describing a lot of younger players getting caught up in? Well, I think just having the family really has helped me personally achieve the balance, you know. Um, I did go through a phase in my poker career before I had my son where uh, poker could be so stressful that it would consume my life. And, you know, if I had a bad day in poker, I just had a bad day in life. And, you know, I didn't I didn't want to be happy about anything. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to do anything. It, it, it can be very depressing. It can really suck you in. Uh, but, you know, I had my son pretty young. 
And it was kind of at that point that it wasn't really a choice because it's not his fault if I have a bad day in poker, like he shouldn't suffer. So it just kind of forced me to really grow up and to change that mentality. And of course, having a husband who, you know, he's just a regular guy. And I mean that in a good way, but I mean, he, you know, he's a teacher and, and he kind of helps keep me grounded. And, and everything in my life is not just poker, poker, poker. I kind of have, you know, two lives. I have the poker life and then I have the the family, you know, normal everyday life as well. So I think that's kind of what's helped me stay pretty grounded. Yeah, well, it comes across. Uh, do you have any goals in the poker world, things that you really want to achieve other than just making a living? You know, it's hard because I try not to be too results-oriented, you know. I mean, of course, everybody wants to win a world through the poker bracelet, but truth be told, I'm not – I haven't – I've played less than 30 lifetime tournaments. So that's more of like kind of a, a fun goal. But I could play the best poker in my life, and I could I could be the best player in the world, and I could still never, you know, achieve that. So it's not really a goal, but more so kind of like a, a fun dream. As far as goals, you know, my goal in poker is to always be able to support myself and my family and, and be happy about it, you know, just to be able to maintain the independence that poker gives me. Um, man, that's just that's so huge to me. That's, that's really what I would love to be able to do for, you know, long, long term. Do you have a good financial advisor? Because I know in a cash industry like poker, it would be very easy not to be putting money away for retirement or college education. How do you deal with those kind of long-term financial questions? Well, you could say that my financial planner is my husband, really. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the, like I said, he, he helps keep me grounded as well. And he he's pretty smart with that type of thing. So, um, you know, he does mostly investing and, and the, that type of thing. I see. Are you planning to play in this year's uh, World Series of Poker, and are you playing in the main event specifically? I will definitely play in the main event. Uh, there are a couple events that I'll for sure play in. I'll definitely play main event. I'll definitely play ladies' event. Uh, and I imagine I'll probably play, you know, a few more here and there. Uh, it'll be pretty busy this summer with uh, us moving out there. You know, life is just kind of hectic with that. But I definitely look forward to the series. I definitely want to play some events, just not quite sure how many yet. Does Ultimate Poker fund your tournament career as well, or are you pretty much on your own when you're not online? I'm pretty much on my own when I'm not online. You know, I mean, they like to, you know, there's maybe some tournaments that they'll specifically want me in, but, you know, they sign me knowing that I'm a cash player, and that's kind of my thing. I'm, I'm more there for content-related stuff and, and doing some fun videos. And You know, I'm never going to be the Daniel Negreanu that travels the world playing poker wearing the patch, and that's that's fine by me. Do you think that they want to turn you into one of the uh, many female players that they try to make look like a spokesmodel? Is that part of the plan, or is it basically your knowledge, your smarts, and your skills that they're focusing on? I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of spokesmodel is. Well, um, do they dress you up in scanty uh, costumes <laughs> so that you appeal to the lech in the poker room? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a you know, young female. There's always going to be... You don't have to be, uh, you know, super bright to see that there's more marketability in that than there is in a 40-year-old overweight man. But it's never. <laughs> I be beg your pardon. Being a 50-year-old <laughs> overweight man, I take that personally. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing personal, but uh, you know, the more unique you are, the more marketable you are, and as a female, of course, that helps. So, but I think that they know that I'm never going to be the, you know, chick that's in a bikini on a, you know, old sports car with you know, pocket aces covering my private parts. It's just, it's not, you know, that's just not really my role. And they're okay with that, and they know that, and I'm obviously okay with that. So I do think, though, that, and I hope personally for myself as well as for Ultimate Poker, that I can kind of be more of a, a role model spokesperson for the females in poker because, I, you know, I'm pretty passionate about getting more women involved in poker and, you know, showing them that it's not – it's not this intimidating boys club that it used to be, that there are opportunities, it's fun, it can be a great experience, and, you know, I, I would love for more women to feel comfortable in that environment. So I feel like, you know, if I can be a, a spokesperson, uh, you know, role model in that way, that's probably more up my alley. Well, that's great. You, you sound uh, just like the kind of person that if I had a poker company, I would want you as the spokesperson. You're very articulate, smart, thoughtful, wise, all those words, and also very successful. So I wish you Thank well. You. Uh, how will I recognize you? I'm going to be at the World Series as well. Um, do you have some easy-to-identify uh, appearance that I might be able to spot from across a very crowded poker room? 
Uh, well, I don't know about easily identifiable. I mean, there's not very, there's not too many, uh, you know, females typically sitting at the table. So I guess that'll narrow it down a little bit. I'll probably be the only brunette woman wearing an ultimate poker patch. How's that? There you go. Well, I will, if I see you, I will make a point of saying hello. I wish you well. And I hope to be interviewing you after you win the main event in November. Hey, me too. That'll be a hell of a time. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, Danielle, thank you for joining us. That was Danielle Anderson. Uh, We'll be back after a quick break. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to BZ.com. BZ is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to BZ.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to BZ.com, B-E-E-Z-I-D.com, BZ.com. Midwest poker players now have a poker tour to call their own. The Mid-States Poker Tour. The Mid-States Poker Tour is traveling around the region now. Upcoming stops include the Majestic Star Casino in Gary, Indiana, July 26th to August 3rd, and the Tropicana Evansville, Evansville, Indiana, August 16th to the 24th. The last event at the Majestic Star generated a prize pool of over $300,000, so don't be left out. Check out their website, msptpoker.com, for registration and additional tournament information. The Mid-States Poker Tour. Finally, a poker tour designed for poker players. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of May 19th, 2014. Well, some good news for Atlantic City. Gambling revenues actually rose last month. The city saw a 3% rise in revenue when compared to April of last year. According to the data released by the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, Atlantic City took in $235.9 million in the month of April. This amount combines the revenue from both internet wagering and the land-based casinos. The Meadows Casino in Pennsylvania may soon have new owners. Cannery Casino Resorts of Las Vegas has sold the property to Pennsylvania's Gaming and Leisure Properties Incorporated, pending approval by the State Gaming Control Board and Racing Commission. The property has over 3,300 slot machines, more than 70 gaming tables, and 11 bars and restaurants. The cost of the property is $465 million. And finally, some people never learn. A Bayonne, New Jersey man was found guilty last week of illegally placing bets at crap tables in three different Atlantic City casinos. Derek Bethea was convicted of cheating at the Borgata, Resorts, and Revel Casinos in 2013. But this wasn't his first stupid move in life. In 2001, he was convicted of a similar crime and sentenced to three years in state prison. This time, he could face more than 11 years. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. You're listening to the House of Cards. Join us online at houseofcardsradio.com. Quiet, young man. Can't you see we're having a poker game?
Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Uh, for those of you that haven't been following the show for the last few weeks, uh, I want to tell you I just came back about a week ago from a great trip to New York City where I played in this terrific charity tournament, Poker for Life, run by a couple of guys, Ethan Ruby and Jeremy Schwartz. And we are joined by Ethan right now. Ethan, are you there? I am here, Ashley. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm I'm happy to have you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Poker for Life and the tournament that you just had in New York City at uh, the tunnel? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm glad to hear that you were able to make it out. I know it was the first time for you to see it in person. I hope you had a good time. I uh, get to experience a little bit of that positive power of poker that my brother-in-law and I, Jeremy Schwartz, started. Uh, it'll be 10 years will be our anniversary this next this upcoming year. Uh, for 2015 will be our 10-year anniversary, so look for a very big extra special event uh, next April when we do our 10-year anniversary. This this past year, we did it at the Tunnel downtown in New York City, and our whole mission is to bridge the charity world with the poker player world. Uh, the average um, amateur poker player along with the professional poker player, we want to provide a forum for them to come play together, sit at the same table, and play for a cause bigger than themselves. Everybody enjoys the game of poker, whether you're a man, woman, old, young, black, white, uh, from one country or another. Uh, the poker poker is a universal language, and charity as well, I feel, is a universal language. People always have a friend or a family member that they is going through a rough time, no matter what it happens to be, and there are charities out there that support those difficult times that people find themselves in. And coming together and bridging that charity world with, ch- with the poker world is exactly what Poker for Life is about. And over the last nine years, we've raised over $2 million for various charities, which are with our main focus being the Bonaconti Fund to Cure Paralysis. How did you happen to start this? So Poker for Life started many, many years ago, right when the kind of online poker boom started to happen. It was right after my accident. I was hit by a car on November 29th of 2000. And as I was coming into recovery several years later, playing online poker was a way that I could kind of re-engage in the world. I was a college athlete. I always thrived on competition, and I really didn't know that I missed it until it was taken away from me. And poker, whether you're in a wheelchair or not, when you roll up to that table, it's one mind against another. And I really started to enjoy playing poker. It was an outlet for me to re-engage into life, not as a disabled person, but just as a person. And I was simultaneously looking for research centers that were finding cures for spinal cord injury and helping people with daily activities of life. And the Bonaconti Fund of the Miami Project was one of the best ones out there uh, that I had found through friends and family, through research of my own, through referrals. They had a lot of great research going on out there. So I was, at the time, actually working as a director of the New York, of the Bonaconti Fund for the, as the New York chapter director and hosting fundraisers, wine tastings and Taste of Chelsea, where we get restaurants together. And it was my idea at that time to let's, let's do something that everybody's really interested in and interested in and a little bit different. Poker was just starting to t- kind of take more of a um, public network viewpoint. And we had a very small tournament at a local bar in Manhattan, and it sold out the very first time. And that gave us the idea to be able to do a little bit bigger of a tournament. I had reached out to Mike Sexton, who is an ambassador, a true ambassador of the game of poker and a wonderful guy himself. He won a tournament, the Tournament of Champions, and donated the entire $5,000 purse, $100,000 to different charities. And, wow. he was, and he chose the Bonaconti Fund and what Poker for Life is doing as one of his recipients. And that $100,000 allowed us to have the very first big-scale event for Poker for Life. Wow. Well, I got to say, I'm just going to interject. I often let my guests just run on without me interjecting, but I think it's important that your event was a supreme example of high-class poker-infused charity fundraising. It, it, the setting, for those who aren't familiar with the tunnel, and I don't imagine that 
there are many listeners who are familiar with it, uh, it could have been any number of places because you took what is essentially a long interior tunnel and turned it into a high-class a nightclub environment place, well-dressed patrons, uh, a long area for uh, sports memorabilia silent auction, a long area of high, really high-end buffet Italian food, and lots and lots of poker tables. Um, there was an excitement. There was a vibrancy. You had a couple of celebrities walking around, some sports celebrities. Uh, you had Jimmy Lee, the, uh, the outlaw, the Jersey outlaw. How did you figure out how to turn what could have been a decent, mundane poker tournament into that kind of high-class event? We've been we've been building this over the years, and every year gets a little bit better. This is the first year that we've done it at the tunnel. We were at the Manhattan Auto Company for several years. We've been at the Metropolitan Pavilion. Uh, we were at Prince George's Ballroom one year. We really want to take care of our patrons. Our patrons, a lot of people that are at our events have been there for five, six, seven years. That we, we treat everybody as a VIP when they walk through the door. It's a red carpet treatment for everybody. Everybody's handed a glass of champagne when they come in, get an opportunity to take a picture in front of the step and repeat, um, in front of the final table. We really, we're very, very appreciative to the people that have, have been supportive of our cause throughout the years, and we show it to them as, as, in, in the way that we treat them. And exactly what you said, it's a, it's a high-class event. We bring nothing but the best. Tony DiNapoli's provide the food. We have a tournament company, Tumbling Dice, that's been with us for almost 10 years now that run the tournament. Um, you know, we've attracted not only the patrons, but also the sponsors and the vendors. Suzier Vodka has been with us for 10 years, um, donating the, the, the vodka and the ice sculptures that you see each time. It's been, a, it's been a collection. It's been a slow collection, but at 10 years in, we have some wonderful, wonderful sponsors that have been with us along with the patrons as well. Is this the only event that you do each year, or do you actually lend your services to other uh, charities to raise money? This is the only event that, that Jeremy and I run and organize ourselves. So we help other charities organize an event, but we don't run it for them. We'll help them find the right tournament director or the right um, silent auction company or the right venue, and we'll help them with our experience to organize it. And, but we don't run those companies. Okay. And Jeremy and I provide that advice basically free of charge because the Poker for Life charity, even though it's a, it's a for-profit LLC, we don't make any money. Jeremy and I never take a salary from the work that we do. We never take any money as a consultant, and we help other charities. We both have other full-time professions. We just love the game of poker, and we're happy to give back to charity in, in, with something that we have found success in. Okay, so tell our listeners a little bit about the specifics. I realize they may change from year to year, but we're looking back at this year's event. But mainly, I think we're, I'm trying to build some excitement gradually, at least, for next year's event. So start with what you did this year as far as prizes, uh, what's included, what the cost is, how many participants sure. you had. Sure. We had about 250 participants this year. Um, we're anywhere between 250 and 320 each over the years. Uh, ticket entry is $350 to buy in, $250 for a rebuy. That includes all the open bar. It includes all the food. Uh, we did sell guest tickets for $100. That allows you to come in and enjoy the open bar and the food but not play poker. And we had top, we had prizes for the top ten finalists. The two first, the first and second place, both won a ten thousand dollars seat in the upcoming World Series of Poker, and we will be doing that again next year. Is uh, that was donated? How did you get those ten thousand dollars seats? Uh, we purchased them through we purchased them through the proceeds of the tournament. I see, because I I noticed that it said on the sheets that they were donated but maybe it was some other prizes that were donated like by a jewelry company and a few yeah. others we have wonderful jewelry companies we have uh, experience packages for tickets and hotel stays in and around new york city uh hotel stays in las vegas at foxwoods in atlantic city um drive exotic cars fly a fighter pilot for a day um, we have some, again, wonderful sponsors that support us and donate their, 
their products to us for these prizes. That's great. Yeah, you said that you raised over two million dollars since you started. How much money do you raise in any one tournament? Um, we bring in around two hundred thousand dollars is what we've been averaging for the past couple of years for each one of these Poker for Life events. Wow. That's significant. Uh, keep up the good work. Do you have a date? Do you have a website yet uh, for next year's event? Pokerforlife.org is our website. Poker, the number four, and then life, L-I-F-E.org is our website. We do not have a date locked in for next year. It will most likely be in April, the month that we do it. Each year, we're trying to do something a little bit special next year, so we're in talks with a couple different venues, and when we have the information, we'll certainly put it up on the website. Great. Well, we'd love to have you and or Jeremy come back on next year. I hope to be a repeat uh, participant. It was a great event, and you are a great guest. Thank you, Ethan, for joining us. Thank you very much. The only other point I would mention is that you don't have to wait for our event next year if you want to play for a cause bigger than yourself. If you're playing in a poker tournament, no matter where it is, no matter what the buy-in is, if you, before the tournament begins, set aside that if you place and you make money in the tournament, whether you finish first or 100th, if you're going to make some money, you donate 1% or 5% or 10% to any charity, the charity that you care about the most, that is considered, that, that's poker for life. That's what we care about, a bridge between your, the poker world and the charity that you care about. If you write in and you tell us that you're playing in a tournament and you're going to dedicate a portion of your proceeds to a charity, let us know. We'll send you a hat. We'll send you a bracelet. We'll send you a patch. And you should let other people know that you're playing at the table, that you're playing for a cause bigger than yourself. You got a deal. I'm going to do it. I'll make the pledge. The next time I play in an event, I will be playing for Poker for Life. And uh, I will encourage others who come on this show to do the same thing. I appreciate it. We'll send you a bunch of patches. All right. Thank you, Ethan. You've been a great guest. Thanks, Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Ethan Ruby, Poker for Life. Listeners, we're going to come back after a quick break. Midwest poker players now have a poker tour to call their own. The Mid-States Poker Tour. The Mid-States Poker Tour is designed to cater directly to poker players. Great locations, deep stack tournaments, affordable buy-ins, and most importantly, large prize pools. This year, with over 20 events in nine states, the Mid-States Poker Tour provides an exciting opportunity for poker in one of the most underrated poker hotbeds in the country. Check out their website, msptpoker.com, for upcoming tournaments near you. The Mid-States Poker Tour. Finally, a poker tour designed for poker players. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. 
It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask. We are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find a game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And, of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of Mailbag, info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Time we both quit. You don't like losing to me, and I don't like winning from you. You're going to sit down. You're going to play poker. Mind a suggestion, friend? The trouble with you is you don't enjoy the game for its own reward. Stimulation, relaxation... As an association in the interesting conversation. Shut your mouth. Welcome back, listeners. You're listening to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, and I'm joined for this segment by my producer, Dave Weishattle. What do we got this week, Dave? You know, I was down in New Jersey talking to a whole bunch of casino lawyers, and I'm I'm a lawyer down there, and they were absolutely fascinated about the news coming out of Massachusetts about your attempt. I say you because you're a resident of Massachusetts. Your attempt to get casinos up here. So I have a whole list of questions. Well, go for it. I am up to speed as much as I can be. Well, a, a couple months ago, we had a guy on who was collecting signatures to get a referendum on the ballot for next uh, next November to get the... Um, this November. Yeah, this November to uh, repeal the Casino Act. Correct. And apparently he got enough signatures, and the Attorney General fought him in front of the SJC, Supreme yeah. Judicial Court of Massachusetts, to uh, not have the referendum on the ballot. Correct. And by all opinions, I guess it didn't go too well for the Attorney General... And I, I guess she reversed her position on a point of law cons- concerning implied contracts that she did two years ago. W- what is your opinion on the referendum and how the attorney general did? Well, let's look at it first before my opinion, just what's being said and what's absurd and what's true. Yeah. Um, those who are opposed to allowing the ballot question to go forth, meaning they want to preserve the casino law that was passed by the legislature and signed by the governor but never voted on as a referendum question. Yes. But, you know, 99.9% of all legislation doesn't go to a referendum. Uh, those who are opposed to the referendum are saying that by having the referendum, if the voters were to vote no, it would be unfair to the business interests who have already ponied up many tens of millions of dollars to be part of the selection process. 
and that by doing this, this in essence pulls the rug out from under them that there was an implied contract that if you posted your money, yes. you'd have access and they'd select and law, and that this would hurt the business climate in Massachusetts because then businesses would never know from one day to the next whether they would they, the stuff that they've been told about coming into the state would still survive a referendum. This strikes me as complete horse pucky. Pucky. <laughs> horse pucky. Um, even though I am sympathetic with the conclusion that there shouldn't be a referendum yep. to say that it's bad for business. I mean, what if the state passed a ban on cigarettes yeah, yeah. after people have paid money to for marketing and distribution? I mean, that's garbage. But I and, and there's also no, no guarantee they will get the license. They're only spending money for the possibility of getting a license. Right. And one of the risks is that the state may, during the process of deciding, say, you know what, screw them all, we don't want them. I mean, that's possible. Legislatures can themselves vote to reverse earlier decisions. They can vote to ban things they've encouraged to come here. They can stop um, fossil fuel plants if they want, even if the fossil fuel plants have uh, invested a ton of money in infrastructure. They can say to an arena, we decided we don't want to have a high lie anymore or whatever. But what, you know, the Supreme Judicial Court could decide is that once the legislature votes for something, that there's a certain period of time within which it should not be overturned by a plebiscite. I mean, I could understand that thinking. Yeah. I could also understand people saying, well, uh, I guess there's going to be a referendum. The people that uh, went through the process met all the required constitutional uh, benchmarks and they have the signatures. And But we urge people to vote against this question i mean i suppose you could do that which is where i would come down but well i see the whole problem was from what i understood what the attorney general said there was no implied contract when she tried to get rid of dog racing and what she succeeded in getting rid Ah, of dog racing and they were already in the state for a couple years now well Many decades. Many, yeah, many decades. That was a and this was a complete question. reversal of yeah. the thought. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I my opinion is we should be allowed to have casino gambling here on a case by case, community by community basis, just like we're allowed to have WalMarts if the community wants them and if Walmart thinks it's profitable and if people want to shop there. We're allowed to have uh, tobacconists and we're allowed to have liquor stores. We should be allowed to have casinos. Um, but it's an economic question of whether, and also a zoning question. No community should be forced, and I don't believe the state should require people to go to casinos, but I don't think they should be banned. So I would be against a referendum question asking me to ban uh, casinos in Massachusetts. That being said, God love them. They get enough uh, signatures, put the damn thing on the ballot. Yeah, why not? Okay, sticking with this hearing do you think it was proper for the uh, one of the judges on the SJC, Judge Cordy, it was discovered by the Boston Globe that he was actually the lawyer and lobbyist for Suffolk Downs in his private practice? Do you think he should have mentioned that before the uh, hearing? Or? He should have recused himself. Yeah, I think so. Too. I think so, too. And I, uh, speaking of rec- recusal, just because so, it can, can't get any wackier, yeah. uh, Stephen Crosby, whom we had on the moment that he announced that he was head of this new commission, yep. if you remember, about two and a half years ago, he was a guest on this show, a very affable, well-connected, easygoing guy, now is stepped down from all decisions having to do with uh, casino gambling in Massachusetts. Is is it all of Massachusetts? I thought it was Section A in the Northeast area. I think you're right. I think, yeah. I think he did. That's right. Yeah. I, but there are calls now that he should resign from the commission itself so that they can replace him so they're not left with potential 2-2 deadlock vote. Yeah. Uh, bizarre, weird. Uh, I don't think he will step down. That's my opinion. But well, I, th- that was amazingly stupid. For those who don't know, he actually <laughs> attended a party given by Suffolk Downs. Uh, he was fed and drank, and uh, he walked around their beautiful area that had the pictures of the proposed uh, casino site. And uh, but you know, I gotta I gotta say, I think a lot of the criticism is is uh, unjustified. He paid his four. It's not like he was uh, taking advantage of the uh, red carpet thrown out by Caesars. Or uh, to 
uh, wine and dine himself and be bribed with alcohol and lobster and uh, steak tips. He paid his 400 bucks. It was a legitimate reason to be there. Um, and so what? It, it, and ironically, in a way, he had been accused of connections to the other yeah, guys. Yeah, well, the other one. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so now this is which kind of, is wins. Yeah, so right. People who don't know. So it's kind of balanced. Uh, I, I, but, you know, appearance. It's not whether there was impropriety. It's the appearance, the appearance of it. But I don't yeah. even think any real thinking, knowledgeable person is going to think that the appearance is bad. So he went there to a party, um, paid his way four hundred bucks. Um, I didn't. I didn't buy it as criticism, but apparently he felt the heat was strong enough and uh, stepped down from making any decisions affecting the Eastern Massachusetts license granting, which I think is. Uh, ridiculous but do you think figure. the governor was right governor deval patrick said you know that wasn't his smartest move <laughs> during his tenure do you think he was uh i think he did too more hard than that. Yeah. i think he said more than that he said he would, yeah i think uh, in private he said <laughs> i think that uh it was not the smartest thing but on the other hand if you're an equal opportunity uh visitor you go to d- both places when they have social events i mean it's not like the guy has to be a monk uh, so what if he went there? He was checking it out, looking at the place, eating the food, paid for it, not even an appearance of impropriety there. I, I disagree with the critics, um, but so what? I disagree with a lot of people. All right. And then what else? You got? N- next bit of news in Boston. Oh, they, they were loving me. They said, oh, you're going up and talk to a guy from Boston? Yeah, give him these questions. Okay, great. Boston tried for a host community. I mean, the, the proposed right. casino will not be in Boston. It will not be in the city limits of Boston. It will be in Everett or Revere, right. which has no connection with Boston. But Boston wants to be a host community because they get more money and they get voting rights. And the casino commission said, no, you're not a host community, and rightly so. But then Boston says, okay, I think we're going to sue. So it looks like they're going to sue, and I think the Boston Herald came out and said, you know, if they sue, that's the end of casinos in Massachusetts. What do you think? I think that's not true because lawsuits can be settled before going forward. They don't necessarily have to hold everything up. Uh, I I guess my attitude is that Boston is wrong. You're mistaken, though, by saying there's no connection. There are a lot of connections between Revere and East Boston. They share a subway line. They share a lot of roads. They share a lot of infrastructure, the same with Everett and Boston. Um, but host community means within the city border. And while these two communities do share a border mm-hmm. with Boston, this casino project is not in Boston. And therefore, it's not, I don't think, by definition, a host community. Uh, the commission was right to say you're not. Can't blame Boston for trying. No. Nope. And trying really hard, trying to squeeze whatever they can. And... Um, so they're squeezing, and we'll see what happens. I don't think it means the death of the projects. Uh, I mean, lawyers and lawsuits are imbued with all sorts of magical powers to kill things. Sometimes they do. Here, I don't think they will. At what point does the governor have to step in? I mean, this is ridiculous now. It just, you know, just give some kind of guidance what you can and what you can't do, and just, I, don't I think- mean, he's been pretty quiet. I don't think this. the governor stepping in is going to help. I think that he would just inflame the situation. He issues his opinion. People that don't like him say he's wrong. People that do like him say he's right. I don't think that it uh, helps. It's not like he's some grand mediator. Um, and I don't think I would not call for him to uh, step in and issue his opinion. I think he's doing the right thing, staying quiet. But I think we'll see within six months exactly what happens. It will delay things slightly, unfortunately. But I think ultimately we're going to see a poker room uh, in the Boston area. I think that'll have to do it. There you have the real story behind the Massachusetts casinos. (laughs) The real story. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Actually, that's the end of the show, right? The end of the show. Make sure to come back next week. Until then, uh, good luck and good day. In 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.